versus Chicago, who you have against Derek Carr, or ahead of Derek Carr. I just forgot how to talk for a second. Ahead of Derek Carr, behind Derek Carr. What the hell? Hold on. everybody and welcome back to the football absurdity podcast weekly ranking show my name is jeff crisco i'm here with my co-host and rankings guru oh i forgot we called you big daddy ranks big daddy ranks let's go <laughs> walker kelly walker how's your day going uh pretty good yeah i'm just uh ready, ready to get these uh ready to get this show on the road baby let's all right it. Let's do it. So if you're this is your first episode, which it might be because our Spotify broke and uh, I got that fixed today. So you can check us out on Spotify again. Um, Walker has their ranks on footballabsurdity.com. There's a button at the top that says week two ranks now. And you can just click on that and see all the the ranks. But what we like to do is we go through Thursday night football, start and sit with like as up to date information as we can get. And there was a big player named out today. Of course, I'm referring to Harrison Butker. Mr. Butt Kicker himself. Mr. Butt Kicker himself. Um, and then we talk about uh, players that Walker's higher on, lower on, toughest rank at each position, most surprising, sneaky start, and tough sit. So like I said, we start with Thursday Night Football and Walker. We were talking before the we started recording, and this is pretty straightforward this week. Yeah, I mean, if you're starting with the quarterbacks, I mean, you're playing them. That's yeah. <laughs> that's as simple as that. I mean, yeah. Mahomes and Herbert, I have it two and three. I mean, these are two of the five best options in fantasy football clear cut. So, uh, yeah. yeah, keep them in your lineup. Two of the best five clear cut, and they're both coming off a strong game. So there's not even like a like, oh, well, maybe. And if you have both of these guys in a two quarterback league, congratulations. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> you're doing wonderful. Uh, running backs, you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm sorry. Uh, you have Austin Eckler as a must start RB5. Clyde Edwards-Alaire at running back 25. When I wrote about uh, this game for the uh, article for Start Sit, I said, you can start him as an RB2. Ideally, you think of him mentally as a flex, though. And that kind of comes in exactly with what you have with RB25 as the rank. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He'll have a big enough role in a great offense that he's a weekly flex consideration. But he doesn't really get goal line touches, and he doesn't really get that many. touches in general like he's probably gonna top out around 12 or 13 in a game and um yeah just doesn't get a lot of goal line carries but the offense is so good and he catches passes so um yeah he's probably gonna live in that like 21 to 30 range most weeks for me yeah it's, he's gonna be one of those guys where you just kind of you end up setting and forgetting him unless you get huge breakouts from your players and you're just kind of like oh he got me eight points this week. Oh, he got me 14 points this week. And whatever it is, you're not really going to be surprised. Mm -hmm. Basically is what it comes down to. One thing that I want to warn people on is CEH. It looks like he took a backseat to Isaiah Pacheco last week. Do not fall for that trap. Pacheco had two carries in the first three quarters. And then when it was garbage time, he ran out the clock. Um, So don't, don't worry about that. But a guy you might worry about is Walker. You have Jarek McKinnon raked RB 46. And uh, what did we land on? Jedrick McKisson? Jedrick McKisson, yeah. Jedrick McKisson, yeah. He he split snaps. Uh, he had the same number of snaps as Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first half. And he had, I believe, three targets and three carries in a game that got out of control. But if it's a closer game, he could get more. So 
Um, just curious your thoughts on uh, Jer- Jarek McKinnon going forward. Only 5% rostered on Yahoo. Yeah, I mean, in deeper leagues, he should be rostered. Uh, as of right now, he's going to get less work than Edward Zelaire. I mean, Edward Zelaire had seven carries and three targets, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I would expect Edward Zelaire to land in the nine or ten carries, three or four targets range in most games. And I would expect McKinnon to end up in the, like, five carries and three targets range. Uh, yes probably not a big enough role to be consistently relevant for fantasy but if Edwards Lair goes down again this season then all of a sudden McKinnon is pretty valuable yeah if he goes down again I can see uh the role getting split with McKinnon doing the passing down stuff two minute stuff and Pacheco being the early downs back um so uh despite Pacheco's big game last week we do consider it to be mostly a mirage right now because we don't know what the usage is going to be. So not in your top 50. Um, There are a lot of wide receivers in this game, but only two you want to start. And they're both must starts. Mike Williams at wide receiver 14 and Juju Smith Schuster at wide receiver 16. Let's start with Mike Williams because he had a disappointing game last week, Um, but uh, no Keenan Allen this week. That's the actual player we were talking about. Who's going to be out, not Harrison Butker. Uh, but Mike Williams just two catches for 10 yards last week, but you still have confidence putting him at wide receiver 14. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's going to be the number one uh, target on the team with Allen out. Um, this is a game where the Chargers are going to have to score points to keep up. So, uh, yeah, I expect Williams to get in the end zone. I expect him to probably get double digit targets in this game. So even if he's not the most efficient, he could end up with like four for 70 and a touchdown and still have and still get you 17 PPR points. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a great start this week. I think you should definitely have him in your lineups. And then Juju did exactly what we figured he was going to do last week. He had a big role. He was efficient. He, you know, he didn't have game breaking plays, but was eight for 80 he had. So something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's a uh, mid tier wide receiver too every week. Yeah. And uh, Juju did most of that in the first half. So a lot of these chiefs, uh, data points it's a lot of them only really played in the first half because it was such a blowout um there are a plethora of other wide receivers in this game uh you've got on the charger side you've got deandre carter you've got uh josh palmer on the chief side you have sky moore mvs Nicole hardman out of those guys if you have to start one of them which one would you prefer um probably Valdez Scantling. Okay. If I had to There's start a boom one. bus type guy. Yeah. Yeah. Throw him, throw him in your wide receiver three spot and hope that he scores a touchdown. Um, Moore doesn't have a stable enough role right now. Mm-mm. Hardman isn't a guy who's going to get a ton of touches. Palmer's never been any good. So uh, MVS is the only one I'd have any confidence in really at this point, but I don't have much. One thing that was kind of interesting was I watched the game uh, and uh, the the Chiefs game from last week, and they were kind of like a couple of the touches were the like behind the line of scrimmage for Nico Hardman. So those were the ones that used to go to Tyreek. So he might get manufactured some touches. So if you're, you know, have a, a lineup of boom bust guys and you just need some points, and I don't know what league setting this would be in, but Nico Hardman could help you out there with like a, a double digit game as like your wide receiver three to help stabilize things. But that's the best thing that I can say about any of these other wide receivers. 
Um, there's a big on Twitter discourse about Josh Palmer, about what he did last year without Keenan Allen. Uh, I think he had five catches, 66 yards and a touchdown. I don't know why that's taking precedent over what DeAndre Carter did, which was, I think, three catches for 64 yards and a touchdown. So it's like a little bit of the same. And DeAndre Carter was a lot closer. I think that ultimately, if you think one of them is going to take the lead there in L.A., you're just guessing. We don't have enough data there. Um, so I, I would, if I could, it's only week two. You shouldn't be in such dire straits where you have to start either of those guys. Um, that They're more of a DFS discussion. Um, so Travis Kelsey, tight end one. I don't think any discussions needed. He's good. Really good. <laughs> if you have him, start him. Uh, this other one, Gerald Everett, which I kind of want to uh, roll into. Gerald Everett's your most surprising rank this week because yesterday i asked you zach Ertz or gerald everett and you said gerald everett and then today i look at the ranks and gerald everett's nine and zach Ertz is 10 so what changed in the last day or so yeah yesterday i said yesterday i said zach Ertz to be clear and then uh you asked if what if i really want to start gerald everett <laughs> and then when i did my rankings today i realized oh no i have gerald everett ahead of zach Ertz. what happened um but yeah, he's uh he's gonna be the number two target in the passing game in my opinion, mm-hmm. and uh, again a game that the Chargers are going to have to throw to keep up. So I expect him to have a solid game. Yeah, and um, I, I was clicking around on RotoWire today a bunch of the like advanced stats, and he's pretty high up in a lot of like uh, efficiency metrics because he only got four targets. He did have 54 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, you expand that rollout. I don't expect the efficiency metrics to stay the same, obviously. Uh, You can't (laughs) go like, well, he had four targets and a touchdown. That means if he gets eight targets, he gets two touchdowns. Doesn't work that way. (laughs) But, you know, he he was good. And this was kind of a thing that, you know, we talked about in the offseason. So I'm excited. I Even though you said Zach Ertz, I already flipped it to Gerald Everett this morning. And then I saw your ranks and I was like, perfect. I am redeemed. So, um... Yeah, that's pretty much it for this game. Um, pretty straightforward. Uh, start your studs, um, and that's it if you can help it. And Gerald Everett. Uh, so, yeah, Keenan Allen out, and if you're hearing this, Harrison Butker is out, the kicker for the Chiefs, which makes the – that's the fourth player in my home league that my opponent is going to not have this week. He has mm-hmm. Dak Prescott, J. Ron Kirst, T.J. Watt, and Harrison Butker. So I'm – Really I'm skating feeling, by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Really? And that's after week one, I played a guy who had George, uh, George Kittle, Trey Lance and uh, Darnell Mooney. So he benched Very all nice. of those guys. Yeah. So better lucky than good. So. All right. So we're going to get into Walker's ranks for this week. And again, you can check these out. Footballabsurdity.com up at the top. There's a button that says week two ranks. If you click that button, it will take you to Walker's week two ranks. Um, so we're going to start with players that you're higher on than uh, consensus. And in this case, you have Marcus Mariota at quarterback 15. ECR on him is 22. That 22 doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because that was the last game I watched New Orleans and Atlanta. And Marcus Mariota ran a lot. And if you're going to run that much, you can't be ranked at 22, no, no matter your opponent. Yeah, Mariota is also my sneaky start this week. And he's, uh, you know, he's gonna run i mean that that's really all there is to it his passing is not particularly impressive but he's got the rushing floor where he's probably gonna run for 50 yards so you know all he's got to do is throw for one touchdown and 150 yards and run for 50 yards and there you go he's got 15 points 
Yeah, and he's a nice floor play right there. Right. So his his floor is going to be high all season. He's not going to be a guy who has a ton of QB one weeks, but he's going to have he's going to be a guy who has a ton of QB two weeks. And in two quarterback leagues, he's a really good guy to have as your quarterback too. Yeah, I um I was taking Baker Mayfield everywhere because I thought he was going to start 17 games, and I'm really uh, disappointed I didn't take any Marcus Mariota because uh, Baker looked bad and Mariota looked good. So. Um, second player you're higher on another guy who is more of a two quarterback league player. It's Trevor Lawrence taking on the Colts, uh, ECR on him's 20. You have him at 16. And when I say ECR here, uh, I realize just jumping right into jargon, that's expert consensus rank as measured on fantasy pros. So that's like the amalgamation of, of, uh, expert submitted ranks. So you, you're higher on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Lawrence, uh, I, I think he he looked intermittently good and bad against Washington, but it's clear that Jacksonville is willing to air the ball out. Um, Indy kind of got carved up a little bit by Davis Mills in week one. So I, I think that this is going to be a good game for Jacksonville's passing offense. Um, and I don't think it'll be a super efficient game running the ball for them because uh, Indy's front is good and uh, Shaq Leonard is probably going to be back this week as far as I know. He practiced in full today. So yeah, he should be back this week. There we go. So uh yeah, I, I think that it's gonna be more of a of a passing game for Daxville. I know we said this last week and uh you know Lawrence was fine. Um their passing targets were good. Christian Kirk was good. Evan Engram was fine. Zay Jones was playable. So um yeah I, I think Lawrence will uh will take advantage of this and I think again he's a really good QB too. Yeah, I was impressed with uh, what Jacksonville was able to do last week, really moving the ball. You mentioned uh, Christian Kirk. He looked the role of a wide receiver one. Um, and that. Through the air, like we thought. So if they get him on track as well, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence could easily have ended up last week if, with 300 yards and two touchdowns. And like you mentioned, Davis Mills carved up uh, uh, Indy. So, yeah, I like this Trevor Lawrence. I was I was very happy with what I saw with Lawrence. He did not look scared. Like last year, there was a lot of like because of bad coaching, just like getting the ball and not quite knowing what to do. Um, but this time he he looked pretty, pretty uh, confident out there. So uh, another guy that had a, a wildly disappointing week one was Trey Lance. Uh, people bumped him down to. 14 by expert consensus rake you have him at 12 which isn't big numerically but it is the difference between starting a guy and not starting a guy and uh personally i'm gonna throw out the rain game and i think that's what you're doing as well pretty much yeah i mean i I think that lance is a perfectly fine start this week he's still gonna run a lot uh and he showed some things in the passing game that i thought were impressive his intermediate throws are very nice um, he's willing to push the ball down the field. And like I said, his running is very impressive and he looks to do it a lot. And especially with no Elijah Mitchell, I think he's going to run even more. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't put him higher than 12 right now because I haven't seen it yet, but I definitely think he is a top 12 option. And I think you can be comfortable playing Trey Lance this week. Yeah. And they get Seattle who, um, you know, People said, oh, I saw somebody say that Seattle locked down Russell Wilson's like Russell Wilson threw for like 340 yards. Uh, he didn't get locked down. Um, no. It just was bad play calling. 
So, um, yeah, Trey Lance is very interesting because uh, he rushed the ball 13 times uh, last week, and now they lost their starting running back. So it could be a situation where he and Debo each have double-digit carries. Um, so that right there gives you a nice floor. So uh, some quarterbacks you're lower on than expert consensus ranking. Let's go with Carson Wentz, who was kind of a uh, a surprise good game last week. He's going up against the Lions um on the road you have him at 18 but consensus is 15 so what has you a little bit lower on Carson Wentz than everybody else is it Jahan Dotson's not going to score two touchdowns again partially um I I didn't think Wentz looked as good as people thought he did last week I thought he still did a lot of just kind of like huck the ball up to somebody and hope they catch it um he still turned the ball over twice he was playing Jacksonville which I think is a probably slightly worse defense than Detroit. Um, and I, I think that people are looking at, well, he put up points in week one and Detroit gave up a bunch of points to Jalen Hurts. So that means they're going to give up a bunch of points to Carson Wentz. Why? Uh, the Lions almost sacked Hurts like five or six times and just didn't wrap him up because Hurts is incredibly elusive. Wentz is not. Uh, if they continue to get pressure at the same rate they did against the Eagles, against a Washington team that has a worse offensive line than Philly, uh, Wentz is going to be on his back all game. So I I think Wentz is a fine QB2 to play because it's not like Detroit's defense is fantastic or anything. Um, and it's clear that Washington is willing to throw the ball. But I can't put him any more than like a mid-tier QB2 after one game. I, I, I just I can't bump him up that far just because he beat up on a bad defense. Yeah. Um, Carson Wentz, like, I, I mapped out my streamers for this week. He's a streamer just by default because he's under 50% rostered. Mm. But, like, it's just kind of like, hey, he played well last week. He might get you a couple touchdowns this week. It's not a, like, I feel great about this play. Like, my other one is one of my other ones is Matt Ryan at Jacksonville. Feel much better about that. Um, but you have Matt Ryan at 22, and expert consensus rank is 19. So you actually have him lower than a lot of people do. Um, so, What's up with that, Walker? Uh, honestly, I, I'll say I found it kind of tough to find quarterbacks. I was lower on the consensus. Yeah. Wentz is the big one, but, I mean, Ryan just kind of ended up at 22 for me. But I think 19 is fine. I think he's a mid-tier to back-end QB2, and I think if you want to play him in a two-quarterback league, there's no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't play him in a one-quarterback league, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I feel like, uh, a lot of my Matt Ryan thing was just, um, the Jags, uh, who gave Carson Wentz his big game last week, like you mentioned. So, um, I, I did the math and they were third in fantasy points per quarterback opportunity last week. So, um, you know, if Matt Ryan throws the ball a ton, he's going to get a lot of fantasy points. I don't, I don't really see this, um, Jacksonville defense locking up, uh, Michael Pittman, uh, very well. So. Thing is, I don't expect him to lock up Jonathan Taylor either. Yeah. <laughs> he to throw much. Yeah, that's true too. So we'll we'll see how that goes. It might be a situation where uh, the Colts are so much better than the Jags offensively versus their defense that uh, Matt Ryan might not need to do much. That's a definite possibility. We saw that at times last year with Jonathan Taylor and Carson Wentz, where Carson Wentz would have like 19 pass attempts because he just spent his whole game passing or handing off to Jonathan Taylor. Last guy, Tua Tungo Vailoa. You have him at 19, ECR 17. I actually wrote about him as uh, one of the drop candidates for this week. He's just not that impressive as a fantasy quarterback right now. 
doesn't really throw the ball downfield. He doesn't run. Um, and that's really, those are the two things that lead to fantasy points most yeah. consistently. So yeah, he's a dink and dunk quarterback that doesn't run. He's just not going to be a QB one type guy. And I know people want him to be, I know they're excited by wa- Miami's weapons on, you know, on their offense, but He's just not, he's not that good for fantasy, you know. I think mm-hmm. the jury might still be out a little bit on how good of a real life quarterback he is, but his style of play doesn't lend itself to putting up a bunch of fantasy points, and I think people need to realize that. Yeah, I'm gonna keep saying it. I said it. I'm gonna keep saying it. Hawaiian Jimmy G. He's got that same like. I'm not sure if he's good or bad. He doesn't really do a lot that helps for fantasy. He just kind of gets the ball to his weapons and lets the weapons do the hard part. It's like, you know, and both coached by Mike McDaniel. Um, it's just one of those things where it's just like, man, I I think Tua is going to uh, disappoint people. And that was not intentional <laughs> when I said Tua is going to. Uh... All right. Um, so we already talked about your sneaky start. So let's talk about your toughest rank this week which is Matthew Stafford, who struggled in week one, but he's playing the Falcons this week. So uh, where do you have Stafford ranked, and um, what made him so difficult for you to rank? So I got Stafford at 11. Um, I It was just tough because he played really poorly last week. Um, he, he just didn't really look prepared. Um, the Rams' offense, is their offensive line is not good. They're dealing with with injuries on it as well. Um, their weapons don't look great. Allen Robinson looked bad week one. Tyler Higby was getting a bunch of targets and not doing anything with it. Yeah, um, classic Tyler Higby move. Right. It looked like Cooper Cup and then the second best player on the offense might have been Daryl Henderson, who was fine. Or so, Ben Skoranek. <laughs> it definitely wasn't Ben Skoranek. Uh, but it's Atlanta. You know, this is not yeah. a good defense. Um, and Matthew Stafford, all the evidence that we have says that he's a good quarterback. So I, I think you can have caution right now, but I also still think he's a top 12 option. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, Matthew Stafford looked like um, somebody who had not played behind this offensive line before because he hadn't. And he didn't realize how little time he would actually have in the pocket. And remember when we talked to... Um, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. JT O'Sullivan. When we talked yeah. to JT O'Sullivan, he talked about playing in Europe really prepared him for uh, bad offensive line play because he knew to speed up his clock. I wonder if Stafford knows, you know, and McVay knows, hey, uh, maybe this offensive line is going to be not so great and we need to uh, run some more quick hitter plays. We can't have Allen Robinson running these, you know, slow developing routes that, you know, th- he has no shot at at finishing before Stafford get sacked also I'm, I'm gonna be as gentle as possible with this i don't think the atlanta pass rush is as strong as the buffalo pass rush just, <laughs> just really that's a, yeah. that's a bold call jeff yeah just as a thought so i think stafford will look a lot better i think uh there's people who you know dropped matthew stafford don't do that uh, if he got dropped go pick him up i think he'll i think he'll still be a back-end qb1 so um Another quarterback that uh, you're actually surprised by the rank because he had a bad week one as well was Joe Burrow, who you have ninth against Dallas. Yeah, I uh, Dallas didn't do a terrible job against Brady last week, and uh, Burrow had a really bad week one. 
So it was a little bit surprising for me to end up with him in the top 10. Um, but I just think that I, I think that Pittsburgh was really motivated for that division game. I think that Dallas might be a little bit deflated without uh, without Prescott. And I think that Cincinnati is going to have the ball a lot because I don't think Dallas is going to be able to sustain drives against their defense with Cooper yeah. Rush at quarterback. So I think Burrow's going to get a ton of opportunities. And even if he's not that great, um, I expect him to certainly be better than last week and not turn the ball over so much. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that he'll, I think he'll be efficient enough this week to be a top 10 guy. Yeah. And I, Joe Burrow is one of those, like you said, I think the, uh, the, the Steelers, that was almost like their Super Bowl. <laughs> they were, they were all the way up for that game and they were very ready to, uh, to take out Burrow. And there was a lot of just like fluky plays. Like it was, it was a wild game. So just dust yourself off Joe Burrow and, uh, Go out back out there, be a top 10 quarterback. So your tough sit this week is, um, I don't know how, oh, well, given the opponent, I was going to say, I don't know how tough this is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Chicago, uh, who you have behind Derek Carr, Trey Lance, Matthew Stafford. You have him at quarterback 14. So um, struggled week one, but this opponent uh, should be good um, because they made the weather do all the work for them last week. But uh, you would recommend sitting Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers has always destroyed the Bears, but he's also always had a receiver to throw the ball to. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't seem like it's the case right now. Uh, their offensive line doesn't look great. Their receivers look bad. Rodgers doesn't run anymore. Um, the main the, the main players in the offense are the running backs. So I just don't think this is going to be a big season for Rodgers. I just not going to be able to throw the touchdowns because he doesn't have guys to throw those touchdowns to. And uh, it's going to be a slow, methodical offense because that's the way it's going to have to be. Um, I think Green Bay is going to win this game, but I don't think Rodgers is going to have a particularly impressive stat line. Yeah. And people act like it's, you know, Rodgers place in the top eight or top 10 at fantasy ranks is like this sacrosanct spot that he can't move from. He had 26 passing touchdowns in 2019. He had 25 in 2018. He's just had a ridiculous last two years, you know, at age 37, 38. So it's not out of the realm of possibility where he just doesn't do it this year from a touchdown perspective. You know, through one game, he's got zero. So, you know, it's a it's it's a definite possibility. And that's why, you know, this year I had no interest in Aaron Rodgers. Right. So let's go ahead. Let's move on to running backs. Um, Three guys. Uh, you have three guys you're higher on, three guys you're lower on. Uh, you're higher on Leonard Fournette than most people, but not by a lot. People are saying start Leonard Fournette. He's a top 12 running back. You're saying start Leonard Fournette. He's in top eight running back as the Buccaneers take on the Saints on the road. So um, Saints have been a tough opponent for the Buccaneers, but you have faith that uh, Lenny Fournette is going to be all right. Yeah, I. this is more to mention that I don't think the Saints defense is what it used to be. Um, okay. They, they got run all over by Atlanta, and Atlanta's not a team with a very good defensive line. They're also playing a former wide receiver and kick returner at running back, and they got absolutely gashed by Mariota and Patterson in the running mm-hmm. game. Yeah. So I think that Leonard Fournette is a better player than Cordero Patterson, and I think that he looked really good in week one. So I expect him to have a really nice week. 
Yeah, and with no Chris Godwin, it banged up Mike Evans. Uh, you know, you're looking at Julio as the only like healthy target. Russell Gage. I mean, Leonard Fournette ran the ball 21 times last week for 127 yards. So um, just keep that train rolling. So another train that you feel confident is going to keep rolling is Daryl Henderson, who we mentioned the Rams are going on the road to Atlanta. Uh, you have him as 19. He was 24 last week. Um, he's kind of usurped Cam Akers at this point. And I think that that's where the big difference in rankings lies is people don't want to believe that he's usurped Cam Akers. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, uh, yeah, his, like you said, his ECR is 24. So people are saying he's like a fringe flex guy. I think he's a solid RB2. Um, again, playing Atlanta, uh, not a great defense. So I, I expect Henderson to get the work. I expect him to score this week. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty straightforward. Um, and uh, one thing from last week is to to note is the Rams did throw him the ball five times, which isn't been their uh, MO since uh, Todd Gurley left. They haven't been throwing the ball to running back. So if they add that into their game, uh, that might be a nice boost for Daryl Henderson uh, for you to consider. So another guy who gets targets, uh, Naheem Hines, you have him at 37, ECR is 46. Uh, the Colts are on the road against the Jaguars this week. And I'm curious um, what makes you so excited about Naheem Hines, but then you have Matt Ryan, you're a little bit of a downer on him. Well, I think that Jacksonville got beat downfield a lot against Washington. And so what I think they're going to do is try to adjust by keeping everything in front of them. And therefore, I think that Hines is going to be the guy they kind of allow Indy to complete passes to. It, it's almost like a, we ha- we got to give him something, so we're going to give him this. Yeah. And so I, I could see Hines having, you know, five or six catches on underneath routes. And I could also see him getting a little bit of run in the running game if Indy takes their frustrations out on Jacksonville in this game as well. So I think there's multiple paths for Hines to be fantasy relevant in this game. And I just don't understand why he's ranked 46. That's way too low. Yeah. 46 is kind of uh, saying, Hey, this is a name that people have on their rosters, but you don't want to start him this week. 37 is like, Hey, this is a flex consideration guy for you. You know? And if you, if you think that the, the Colts are really going to, beat up on the Jags, then maybe move Hines up a little bit because he'll be a part of that. So um, let's go to the running backs you're lower on. Javante Williams, you have him at 15, ECR is 10. He had a big game last week, but it seems like you're not really buying it. You don't think he's going to get 10 targets every week, 12 targets? Crazy, I know. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I I think Denver's going to beat up on Houston. And... Therefore, I don't think they're going to need to dump the ball off to the running back a crap load of times uh, trying to come back from a deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Williams will be perfectly fine. I mean, I think you should, probably should still play him in most cases, but I don't understand where this like he's a clear RB1 thing is. Uh, that was very obviously a fluky result. And in the running game, he wasn't particularly impressive against a lackluster Seattle defense, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I I think Williams is a guy who's going to be a high-end to mid-tier RB2 most weeks this year. I, I just I don't understand why, after a week where he looked like most people thought he would look, why all of a sudden he's being moved up so much. I mean, it's the same thing that happened when Marlon Mack got cut with Damian Pierce, where it's like, we think this thing is going to happen, therefore we're ranking him here. 
And then when that thing happens, everybody has to react to it. So they have to move him up even more. It's like, but you already did it. Yeah. You're, you already had that uh, built in, you know, if you're being intellectually honest. So I think that's what happened is what is happening with Javante Williams. I still feel good about starting him and you do too. 15th is not exactly, you know, beating the guy up. It's just a like, Hey, um, if they're running out the clock in this game, which there's a big chance they might be, I don't think it's going to be the young stud running back. I think it's going to be the older guy, Melvin Gordon, who's getting those punishing carries. Just just a thought. Um, next guy up, David Montgomery uh, was really bad against the Niners last week in the rain. Uh, EC on him's 22, which is a running back two. You have him as more of a flex running back 26. Um, one carry over three yards last week. And Khalil Herbert looked better. So... That's a that's a tough uh, uh, combination of factors for him. Yeah, I still I still think he'll hold on to the starter role for this week, but I just don't think he's particularly good. Um, he is inefficient. He's not running behind a very good offensive line, especially in run blocking. Um, the guy behind him looks better than he does. Uh, their quarterback runs the ball as well, and Fields is probably better at running the ball than Montgomery is. So. Because he's the nominal starter and he's produced before, I can't drop him farther than like a flex consideration. Mm-hmm. But if he continues to play like this, he's going to lose his job. And so you really need to, if you're a Montgomery uh, manager, you should be paying attention. Yeah, and I'm looking. He did. I was trying to see if he did overlap with when Ty, uh, Tariq Cohen was good. And uh, <clears throat> that was his rookie year. Tariq Cohen had 104 targets. So. Uh, David Montgomery can still produce for you, but, you know, he oh, turned 267 touches into barely over a thousand yards. So he's not a particularly efficient back um, because he doesn't really catch the ball or anything like that um, either. So, um, yeah, David Montgomery, a guy that I got kind of itchy on, but uh, Khalil Herbert, guy rostered in only 46 percent of Yahoo leagues. So you can go take a look at him. Damian Harris, you have him at 38, ECR is 26. Don't start Damian Harris. Yeah, why is his ECR 26? He's he's splitting time in an offense that stinks. Yeah. And he doesn't catch any passes. So you shouldn't be playing him. I mean, he's Damian Harris is closer to drop territory in 10-team leagues than starter territory. So I this makes no sense. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is the better start than Damian Harris because with Ty Montgomery on IR, Stevenson will actually catch passes and Harris won't. So um, that actually leads into my sneaky start, which is Ramondre Stevenson. I have him at 34. Um, But I think in a tough matchup against Pittsburgh, most people won't think to play him. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can throw him in your flex and probably get 10 points out of him. Yeah. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, if you had to pick a back who would fill in for Ty Montgomery between the two guys that, you know, are dominating touches with Harris and Ramondre, it would be Ramondre Stevenson. Damian Harris flat out just doesn't catch footballs. It's not a thing that they ask him to do. And Ramondre Stevenson filled in for that role last year. Um, I guess we'll call it the Ty Montgomery role now instead of the James White role. That's that's the new the new term in the offense. Um, so, yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, kind of a sneaky start. Um, you mentioned you have him at 34. So you have him behind uh, Melvin Gordon, Devin Singletary, Michael Carter, but ahead of Rex Burkhead, Naheem Hines, and who you have at 36, who is your tough sit, Jeff Wilson. So Jeff Wilson 
more or less people believe got the starters job in San Francisco with the Elijah Mitchell injury, but um, sounds like not so certain we should slot him into a start starting spot. I just don't think Jeff Wilson's very good. No, uh, he's not. As a 49ers fan, he's fine. Yeah, he was he was okay. Uh, then he got hurt, and now he's worse even than he was before. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trustworthy with the ball in his hands. He's not going to fumble. So they trust him to soak up the dozen carries or so he's going to get. But he's not going to catch many passes. Debo Samuel and Trey Lance are both more effective runners than he is. Um, I just... I think Wilson will be the nominal starter, but I don't think you're going to get more than like a dozen carries and two targets out of him. And he's so inefficient with the ball that he has to score to get into double digit points. And that's not a guy that you want to be starting in your RB2 slot. No. And um, so he was hurt for the first half of last year. um, And then he came back against the Rams and he was part of the running back room that made Kyle Shanahan go, okay, well, I guess Debo Samuel's a running back now. Like he had uh, 19 carries for 50 yards in the Jacksonville game. And that's after that point, that's when Debo Samuel took off. Everybody likes to point to his 21 carries for 110 yards against Atlanta. Well, that was Atlanta and the 49ers won 31 to 13. He was running out the clock. Uh, He was bad. And when I saw him play um, for people who don't know, I'm a 49ers fan. I asked my father-in-law, I said, what fullback did the Niners sign? And it was Jeff Wilson. Because they were having him be the backup fullback in a lot of games instead of getting carries. So, um, yeah, not great for Jeff Wilson. I went out uh, and I plucked up after waivers ran. I talked about it on the Patreon episode yesterday, sicko mode, uh, sick, sicko hours. I stayed up past midnight, picked up uh, Jordan Mason some places, picked up Tyrion Davis Price some places, just because I don't have faith in Jeff Wilson. Now, Jordan Mason is looking to be a special teamer, but that doesn't preclude him from getting carries. And TDP, third round pick. Again, for the 49ers, doesn't necessarily mean he's getting <laughs> carries because right. that was Trey Sermon last year. So I just didn't want to buy into the backfield spending any fab or waiver priority. So I just went in there and picked up uh, free agency. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Whatever. It cost me nothing. But yeah, I would not start Jeff Wilson this week against the Seahawks. So your toughest rank this week is uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, who you have at 12th going up against Tampa Bay. Now, Alvin Kamara did not look good last week, but the... Saint said he had a rib issue that he was dealing with. So um, that might excuse it away, but they didn't say that he's better from it. (laughs) Right. I mean, my guess is that he'll rest a little bit in practice this week to try to get better. Um, It's just a really tough rank because it's so hard to keep Kamara out of your top 12 because he's fantastic and he catches a ton of passes. Mm -hmm. So... I still think he's a pretty good play, and I still think you should play him, but I think you have to temper your expectations right now because it just doesn't – he doesn't look quite healthy. It's a pretty tough defense he's playing. I – like I said, if you drafted him, you got to play him. But yeah. he's not a guy who I'm expecting to have a huge week. Yeah, your draft would have had to have gone really, really well to bench him. I'm talking like uh, somehow you started – three running backs and they were Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley and uh, Alvin Kamara. Like (laughs) you had to like really draft well. And uh, that, that chances are that didn't happen. So um, next one up, uh, most surprising you have Antonio Gibson, who you have at 13 going up against the lions. Gibson 
Uh, you know, a lot of people left him for dead after uh, he was returning kicks in practice and he fumbled in the preseason. But he showed out last week. He got a lot of targets, uh, you know, over 100 yards was kind of the guy in that offense. And so this one was one that uh, surprised you a little higher than you thought or. Yeah, uh, Gibson's not a guy who usually ends up in the like fringe RB1 conversation, but mm -hmm. the Lions run defense isn't very good. And their linebackers don't really cover running backs particularly well out of the backfield either. So I think that Gibson's going to have another big week. Um, I would expect that uh, the receivers don't run wild as much as they did against uh, Jacksonville. And so I, I think Gibson will be the focal point of the offense. I think he'll get quite a few carries, quite a few targets again. And uh, yeah, I think he'll be successful. He'll probably get in the end zone. Not again, not like Detroit's a great defense, and especially against the run, they were pretty bad against Philly. So um, I, I think Gibson is a, a must start for sure. All righty. Before we go to the wide receivers, I would like to, because I keep Twitter open for news in case something happens, I would like to share a tweet that just came across my timeline. First, Sigmund Bloom. Travis Kelsey outproduced the number two, number three, number four, and number five highest drafted tight ends by ADP combined this week granted george kittle didn't play but three other guys did and travis kelsey beat all of them combined so uh, a lot of talk about how he might be dead and i don't think that was very warranted so let's move on to wide receivers uh first wide receiver that you are higher on than most people is amon ross st brown uh you have amon ross st brown at 15th ECR is 20th, and uh, Almond Ross and Brown, we were just talking about Antonio Gibson, obviously going up against Washington after getting eight catches and a touchdown on uh, the first week of the year. Uh, is that good for Almond Ross and Brown? Yes. I, it's just something that I feel like I have to keep harping on because we were believers and everybody was openly mocking believing in Almond Ross and Brown all offseason. Yeah, it, they, a lot of people were acting like it was like a like the dumbest thing they'd ever heard of to say yeah. that Amon Ross St. Brown would be a top 25 receiver this year after he ended last season with seven consecutive games of 30% target share and seven consecutive games of, uh, I believe five catches and a touchdown or something like that. Yeah. Uh, he was good. He was extremely good at football. And what do you know? Deandre Swift had a big game and TJ Hawkinson was active and played a significant role. And Amon Ross St. Brown still had a 30% target share still caught eight balls for 64 yards and a touchdown. And it wasn't even that great of a game for him. Like no. He could play a lot better than he did in week one, and he still had eight for 64 and a touchdown. It's it's wheels up on Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a high-end wide receiver, too, the rest of the season. Uh, he should be in your lineup no matter what. Yeah, and I think a lot of the hate with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is because he kind of broke models because he was a day three pick. You know, he went in the fourth round. It's like those things happen from time to time and you have to recognize when they're happening and not try to fight against it, you know. Right. It's He's, all it's all of like, oh, my model can't be wrong. Ugh. Yeah. Uh there's exceptions to models. They happen. It's the it's the downside to modeling um to rank players. And uh you know, he's not Antonio Brown, but Antonio Brown was a sixth round pick. So sometimes teams miss. It happens. All right, next guy up uh is uh Deontay Johnson going up against New England. You have him at 11th. ECR has him at 24. Good God. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, Deontay Johnson is a weekly top 15 play no matter what. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, he gets tons of targets. He's uh, he's consistently productive. I have absolutely no idea why the ECR is so low on him. It's like everybody is still thinking that New England's defense is really good. And uh, New England's defense is just okay now. They don't have J.C. Jackson anymore. They don't have Dante Hightower anymore. It's just not that great of a defense anymore. So, um, yeah, I'm not afraid of New England. Uh, Deontay Johnson is a top 12 option. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, 12 targets, 7 catches, 55 yards last week in a game that was, it was rough sledding. Uh, It was a weird game, and uh, they ran the ball pretty poorly, and they passed the ball pretty poorly, but still, Deontay Johnson produced 12 fantasy points. So it's like, throw a touchdown on there. I bet if you throw a touchdown on there, these people that have him 24th would have him like 16th. And that's such a dumb way to rank. Uh, another guy, which I think you're just ahead of the curve on everybody else. You're believing it before everybody else does is Christian Kirk, uh, against Indianapolis. You have him at 22. I, you know, in a two wide receiver league, you have him as starter. Everybody else has him at 28, which I honestly think is just a hedge because he had a big week one. And I don't see a reason why he can't continue doing that. Yeah. He had 12 targets in week one. And this is a game that Jackson was close the whole time. It's not like they just chucked the ball over the place and refused to run it. Um, I fully expect him to be a top 24 receiver the rest of the season. He's going to get a ton of targets and, uh, he's a solid player. You know, I'm not saying he's amazing, but like he's good and good players getting a ton of targets are going to be top 24 options. Um, yeah, I I think you should get in while people aren't believing, uh, he's a guy that you could probably buy pretty cheap still, even though he had 12 targets in week one, because people are going to, people still are thinking Christian Kirk as his Arizona role where he was the wide receiver two and didn't have any upside. Well, now he's the wide receiver one for a team willing to throw the ball. So yeah, I, I again, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be Christian Kirk season pretty much all season. Yeah. I think you can buy him from somebody with them thinking that they're selling high. Right. That's, that's the perfect tra- kind of trade to get because they're, they're all geeked up to trade him, you know, and you can, uh, just go ahead and um, set them aside. Sorry, I just got an alert that somebody tried to log into our Google account, but it, I think it was Evan. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I panicked for a split second. Um, yeah. So you can just say like, hey, you know what? Uh, I believe in Christian Kirk. You know, maybe you don't. Let's swap some things. And, you know, you're I you're selling high and I'm buying high. And I guess you're getting one over on me. And then you win. So right. a guy that you're lower on, Gabe Davis. Uh, you have him at 26. ECR is 13. So you're not really buying into Gabe Davis this week against the Titans. Uh, I, I think Davis is a good wide receiver three. I, I don't understand is why he's being touted as like a fringe wide receiver one. Um, he had six targets last week. That's not wide receiver one type workload. Um, no. I, I mean, he he did about as well last week as he could with his target load. And I think Gabe Davis is a good football player. You know, I think he's going to be a top 30 receiver this year, maybe even a top 24 receiver this year. But to put him as a fringe top 12 guy after one pretty good week is insane to me. That You're ranking him at his ceiling, and that's not something that I like to do. That's the same thing that happened with Javante Williams. It was like, hey, it would be cool if this thing happened, and then I'm going to rank that way, and then it happened, and it's like, well, now I have to move him up even more. 
It's just, you know, over-exuberant. So, it's yeah, it's the same thing with Javante. Uh, another guy that you are lower on is Terry McLaurin, who, I'll be honest, uh, kind of disappeared in week one um, behind that offense, get it, having a ton of weapons and a lot of guys to get targets to. Um, he only had four targets, two catches. He did have 58 yards and a touchdown, but I mean, you're not really relying on that. No, no, you're not. And, uh, yeah, McLaurin's just doesn't have a big enough role for me to be a top 15 receiver. Um, it's, I think it's pretty clear Washington's going to spread the ball around this season. Mm -hmm. So while McLaurin will probably still be the wide receiver one in Washington more often than not, um, I, I can't put him top 24 until I see him get more than four or five targets. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's wild that people have given him this benefit of the doubt because he's never done this. Like he's been good, but he's never done what people expect of him. And after a disappointing week one, people are doubling down. Right. So, um, another player you're not believing in had pretty good week one. I mean, five catches, 74 yards. I, I take that as an NFL debut. It's Drake London who uh, goes from taking on New Orleans to going to take on the Rams. Uh, you have him at 41, and everybody else has him at 34, which in a three-wide receiver league is a start, and you have him more as a maybe not in a three-wide receiver league at 41. I would not start Drake London this week. Um, I don't expect Jalen Ramsey to have two consecutive bad games, and Ramsey's going to be the guy that London draws as the number one receiver for Atlanta. Um Troy Hill also had a really good game last week. So I just don't think that London's going to have an easy time. And I don't think that, you know, as a rookie in a passing offense that isn't very effective, I don't think he's going to be a guy you can consistently rely on. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I want to see it for a few games. And I got a lot of Drake London questions in the starter sit show. And I said, these, these rookie wide receivers, some of them are going to go off and, They'll go off early, but you don't know which ones, and you just got to sit and monitor them for a while. So, yeah, I would still be sitting and monitoring Drake London. So your toughest rank among wide receivers this week is uh, um, Brandon Ayuk. Never heard of the guy. Uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk, who you don't have ranked at all. That's why I was having trouble figuring it out. I was going to say where you have him ranked, and you don't. I do not, no. Um... Yeah, you, you tricked me. <laughs> um now this is assuming that george kittle comes back in place mm. um he did if, not practice today just fyi but he usually doesn't practice on wednesdays so right so we won't know until at least friday if not saturday um but if kittle comes back in place then Ayuk is the third option in a passing offense that doesn't pass the ball a whole lot yeah so i just can't get behind that um I'm not saying that he's a bad football player. I'm just saying that he doesn't have a role that lends itself to consistent fantasy production, and therefore I can't rank him. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's also a situation where we don't fully know what this Niners offense is going to look like, and I will keep Brandon Ayuk on the bench till I know what it what uh, it's going to look like. Your most surprising rank is T. Higgins, who you have at 12th. You're assuming that he clears concussion protocol. Uh, he's playing against Dallas, so you have him as a top 12 guy, and he was on his way to probably having a good game last week before he got the concussion, because uh, I think he got it early in the second quarter. Yeah, he played 26% of snaps, but he already had 27 yards at that point, so he was probably in line for a big game last week. Do you think that'll happen against Dallas? Yeah, I just want people to 
make sure that they don't forget that when T Higgins plays, he's a top 15 option. Yeah. Um, so just because he had a disappointing week last week because of the concussion doesn't mean that if he plays this week, he's going to have another disappointing week. You know, don't give up on T Higgins. Don't sell T Higgins. Just be patient, you know, give him another shot. I think he'll produce. So if T Higgins doesn't clear concussion protocol, where would you rank Tyler Boyd, who you have 40th? Uh, let's see here. My guess would be between around between Gabe Davis and Rashad Bateman. That is exactly right. Yes. Got it. Yes. Yeah. So that would be uh 20 Gabe Davis and Rashad Bateman. That would be 27. Yeah. So, a, so a startable think, guy in three wide receiver leagues. Yeah, I think Tyler Boyd would be a really good flex play slash wide receiver three in the event that Higgins missed time. Yeah. So if he doesn't play this week. Uh, this is what we talked about in the preseason. Uh, uh, Tyler Boyd is like a wide receiver handcuff, and it's already kind of coming into play. So um, the sneaky start for you this week, you have ranked outside the top 36, uh, but it's Chase Claypool going up against New England. And um, I'm curious your thoughts on Chase Claypool, because this was a guy that uh, people got so geeked about uh, George Pickens, they forgot that Chase Claypool is there and is good and touches the ball a lot. Yeah, uh, I liked how they used Claypool. They used him a lot like the Niners used Samuel. Um, he had four four catches and six carries in week mm-hmm. one. And with Najee Harris banged up, I would expect Claypool to keep getting carries. Um, he's clearly going to touch the ball a lot this season. Uh, and I think that he's consistently going to be a wide receiver three slash flex consideration because he's going to touch the ball. I mean... Yeah, he's probably only going to catch 60 passes on the season, but he's also going to run the ball almost 100 times. So mm-hmm. I, I I think that he's going to put up enough numbers to be a solid flex guy. Yeah, not only is he going to run, but they love to run. They love to sweep him on the goal line. Yep. They love to give Jet Sweet Stam on the goal line because he's a big guy, 6'4", 238. So if he gets momentum, it's almost like trying to tackle Derrick Henry. You know, for some some DB who, uh, you know, has to take him, stop him from going one yard on the goal line, you know, as he's as he's gaining momentum across the field. So, yeah, I like Chase Claypool. Uh, you know, people don't like this, you know, six rushes, four receptions. It's like, OK, pretend he got four catches for 54 yards. Pretend he did that. That's you know, that's a guy that you're you're going to look at, um, you know, but on top of that, Absolutely. it's like, I mean, I mean, uh, Jacoby Myers, who I have two spots ahead. That's a Jacoby Myers line. <laughs> right. He got four for 55 last week. So, yeah. Yeah. It, Chase Claypool is basically Jacoby Myers, and Jacoby Myers is a fringe top 30 receiver. So, Chase Claypool is a fringe top 30 receiver who's being treated like a guy that you can, like, almost consider dropping. And it's it's not right. You're doing Chase Claypool dirty. It's not right, folks. You're going to create an international incident if you besmirch uh, Mapletron. All right, your tough sit, and I don't know how long he's going to be a tough sit. So yeah. I was not super hyped on him, but it's Tyler Lockett. You have him at 43 against the Niners. Um, you know, this Geno Smith offense is a lot of, hey, just take what the off- what the defense gives you, and that's not really usually Tyler Lockett. Four, cat- uh, four targets, three catches, 28 yards last week. Yeah, I think this is basically what he's going to get. I mean, yeah. it's Metcalf is the only guy in the passing game that they're clearly – trying to get the ball to, you know, consistently. Um, everybody else, it's kind of just like you get what you get. And I just want people who have Lockett on their teams to realize that he's simply not 
a consistent starting option. Um, you know, don't drop him or anything like that, because especially if Metcalf were to get hurt, he'd be the number one receiver on the team. He's still talented, but, you know, he had that mind meld type thing with Russell Wilson, and with that gone, he simply doesn't get enough volume to be a top 36 guy. Yeah, you can't drop him because I'm not going to ask you this because you're a sicko, but I'm going to ask, like me, but I'm going to ask the people at home. Other than DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, name a wide receiver on the Seahawks. Right. And they were they were just in prime time. So, I mean, you should know one because Gino copped a feel of, of him after the game. Yeah, Marquise Goodwin, <laughs> he got up in there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was Marquise Goodwin as the wide receiver three and D. Eskridge as the wide receiver four. Yeah. These are not guys you need to worry about. Yeah, so if something happens to DK Metcalf, then Tyler Lockett becomes a weekly starter um, because the talent behind Lockett is just so dire. You know, somebody has to get the targets there. So um, we kind of already talked about uh, one of your tight ends, so let's move on to tight ends. We already talked about Gerald Everett, ECR 12, you have him 9, your most surprising rank. So let's move on to Bob Tunyon. ECR is on 16, you have him 12. He was a guy that about a month ago I was like, Hey, remember when we were talking about Bob Tunyon last year and uh, everybody's like, well, he won't get the volume. And it's like, well, he might kind of get the volume now. And that seems to be what might be happening going up against Chicago. Yeah, I mean, Chicago's not a defense that I'm particularly scared of. I think they're fine, but I don't think that they're anything special. Um, And here, let me. Jesus Christ. Let me pull it up. Sorry, I got a pop up ad on my phone. Uh-oh. Are there hot singles in your area? No, it was some, like, app. I don't know. Oh, okay. But Robert Tunyon got five targets last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I would expect him to get somewhere in that five to six target range most games. Um, he caught three for 36 yards. At tight end, that's going to be your typical back-end tight end one type line. Uh, somebody who catches three or four passes for 40 yards. Yep. That's somebody who should be on your roster because if he scores a touchdown, he's in that 14, 15-point range. That's a top five tight end week. And if he doesn't, he's not going to kill you. So, yeah, that that's exactly what we say uh, all the time on the pod is like you're chasing those four for 40 weeks at yeah. tight end. You're not chasing the touchdowns. You're chasing the four for 40s. Right. So, I mean, I think Robert Tunyon is a better option than, for example, Dawson Knox or Cole Komet. You know, yeah. I, Tunyon has consistent, more consistent volume. He's not as touchdown dependent. All right, Walker, are you ready to talk about the man, the myth, the legend? Not really. It's it's uh, 4.35 Pacific, which means it's Taysom time. You have him at 16, ECR 28. He's just going to touch the ball a lot. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, he kind of has automatic volume. He's going to run the ball probably three or four times a game yeah. and get one or two touch, one or two catches. Um, if he gets in the end zone, he'll have a good week. If he doesn't, then he won't really. But mm-hmm. He's as good of a tight end streamer as any because he has a guaranteed workload. Even It is small, and in PPR, he's not going to get a ton of catches, but he is used in the red zone quite a bit. So I, it's more likely that he scores a touchdown than like Hayden Hurst or yeah. Evan Engram. You know, so as a streamer or as like an end of your bench guy, he's fine. Um, I wouldn't play him every week. You know, I don't think he's like a league winner or anything, but in good matchups, he's a solid streamer. Yeah, but like, let's let's just go down this list. Dawson Knox, 1.5 points. Uh, David Njoku, 1.7. Irv Smith, 0. Cole Komet, 0. 
Austin Hooper, 1.6. Mike Kosicki, 1.1. He will not do that to you most weeks. Right, yeah. Whereas whereas a lot of these tight end, these tight end, back end tight end one guys, their floor is like one point. Right. Taysom's floor is like three or four, and his ceiling might not be quite as high because he won't catch many passes, but... You know, if if he has a long running touchdown like he did this past week, then all of a sudden he's got 15 points. So he's just going to touch the ball a lot. Like we think about like we just want people who touch the ball a lot and he will do that. But like you said, not going to catch a lot of balls. So he's kind of got the reverse of the the PPR running back thing where it's like, hey, one catch is equal to 10 yards. It's like, well. One stupid Taysom Hill play is equal to like 10 fantasy points. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, we thought that we were done with Taysom Hill uh, when Sean Payton left. We were wrong. I will put my tail between my legs and say that I picked up Taysom Hill today as my backup in a league. Uh, that's kind of a deeper league. So uh, I hope it's Taysom time. So tight ends that you're lower on. Um, one of them, Dalton Schultz, you have at 11, ECR is six. Um, is this just come down to it's Cooper Rush now? Yeah. Yeah. I can't trust Dalton Schultz as a top 10 option with Cooper Rush at quarterback, but he'll probably get enough volume as the second best pass catcher on the team that he's still a top 12 type guy. Like I would expect mm-hmm. him to still get probably six targets at minimum. So, you know, even if he catches four of those for 30 yards, then that's a solid enough floor to keep him as a guy that you're probably playing every week. It's just that his ceiling is not very high right now. Yeah, I'm telling you, don't sleep on Noah Brown. Noah Brown, he's going to, uh, Cooper Rush is going to panic, and Noah Brown will be standing there because everybody will be paying attention to Dalton Schultz and C.D. Lamb, and Noah Brown's going to get, like, he's going to be Jacoby Myers for, uh, mm. for the Cowboys. We'll see. We'll see. All right, another guy you're low on, Dawson Knox. Uh, you have him at 15, ECR is 8. That's because Dawson Knox is bad. I don't think Dawson Knox is bad at football. I think Dawson Knox doesn't have a role that's conducive to consistent fantasy production. And I think the fantasy community needs to realize that Uh, you're giving bad advice when you say that Dawson Knox is a weekly starter. He's not. He doesn't have the volume Uh, just because he plays for the Bills and he got a big contract doesn't mean that he's going to be fantasy relevant consistently. He's a touchdown dependent player. He should not be inside your top 12 on weeks where he doesn't have a fantastic matchup and Tennessee is not a fantastic matchup. Yeah. People act like he belongs alongside like Pat Fryermuth and TJ Hawkinson and, and maybe even Dallas Goddard, if people are getting spicy, but it's like, have you looked at the box scores? Right. Like yeah, the man Dawson, gets like three targets. Dawson Knox's bad games are one for five. Yeah, exactly. Those guys, uh, bad games are like three for 30. Yeah. So um, yeah, Dawson Knox is, a lot closer to Hayden Hurst than he is to uh, Pat Fryermuth. Sorry. And Dawson Knox is also my tough sit. Just yes. Just to make that thinking. clear, he's a guy that's ranked inside the top twelve that should not be. Do not play him. Do not play him. Another guy you should not play that's ranked inside the top twelve is Albert Okwigbunum, who you have at twenty-one. Um, six targets last week, thirty-three yards, but Andrew Beck was getting passes ahead of him to start the game like the usage is all over the place with alberto yeah alberto got a ton of targets when he was on the field and then just wasn't on the field very much and i don't think that his snap percentage is going to drastically jump upward 
Um, I also don't think Denver's going to throw the ball as much uh, in most games as they did against Seattle because I don't think they're going to be chasing the game the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't understand why Albert Okwebunam would be a top 12 option after a week where he was not particularly good. Um, yeah. If for fantasy. I mean, like, I think he's a solid enough football player. I just don't like the role. I, I think it's confusing and it's something that I want to stay away from as of right now. Yeah, it's it's um, he was not a guy that was drafted inside the top 12. He did not have a top 12 week. We don't have a situation where anybody really crashed and burned inside the top 12. And all of a sudden he's a top 12 guy like the the the, the dots aren't there that connect like it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So uh, I just. I don't understand this. There, there's a lot of ranks this week that, by ECR. That's a lot of people just saying, well, this is something that's going to happen. And it's like, wait, hold on. Why? This doesn't this doesn't track. Sure. So we already talked about your most surprising rank, which was Gerald Everett. We talked about your tough sit, which was Dawson Knox. Let's talk about your toughest rank this week, which was Cole Komet. You have Cole Komet 17th going up against the Packers. Cole Komet, I mentioned, did nothing last week. Literally no catches, uh, no targets even. He was just there and it was a rain game though. So, right. So it's, you essentially have to throw it out, but I just don't know how much he's going to be involved anyway, because he's not very good at football. He's just kind of, I mean, he's just there as a football player. He's a decent athlete. He catches the ball. Okay. He runs an okay route. He blocks. All right. He doesn't get yards after the catch. He's just there, you know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's safe, but he's, that's it. That That's really the only good, nice thing you can say about him out there. Um, and I just think that a lot of your other streaming tight ends slash fringe tight end ones have higher upside than he does. Yeah, Cole Komet came into the year, people going, all right, well, he's got this projectable volume because he's the number two weapon on this team. And then week one, it's like, all right, well, now we can't project anything based off what's already happened. So, you know, do you want to potentially eat two goose eggs from Cole Komet to start the year? You know, maybe put him on your bench and see what's going to happen. Um, right. Your sneaky start. My boy, I kept talking about him. I kept saying people are sleeping on Logan Thomas. People are forgetting Logan Thomas exists. You have him at 20, which is apparently a sneaky start, but going up against the Lions. Yeah, again, Lions don't cover tight end slash running backs particularly well. Um if you're desperate and you need somebody to plug in, um, I think Logan Thomas is a fine option. Again, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but since we already talked about Taysom Hill, I didn't want to make him the sneaky start. And I think Thomas has the potential to be a good streamer this week. Yeah, only 8% rostered on Yahoo. Six targets last week, uh, 45 yards on three catches. So, And he had a tough over the middle where uh, Carson Wentz kind of laid him out to dry. That was in his. That was his first uh, game back from injury. So hey, right. Uh, streaming while you got him. I love Logan T. So, uh, so um, yeah, I think that'll do it. Uh, Walker, anything else you want to add about any start sits or anything for the week? Uh, let me look through here. Um, just just to mention, Pat Fryermuth got ten targets last week. Yeah. Um, I think that I underestimated how much they want to get him involved in this offense. He's definitely in that range with Hawkinson, Burtz, Goddard. Yeah, Fryermuth was a guy that I kind of paired with like Hunter Henry mentally. And it's clear that Fryermuth is, is a is a cut above in terms of the usage that they have for him. 
Um, I'm trying to see if there's any any questions I have for you. Uh, you feel okay about Aaron Jones after the usage last week? You have him tenth. Not absolutely. Yeah, I'm not worried at all. And then um, Allen Robinson also not surprised or not worried. You have him twenty ninth. I'm looking at the guys that I had notes on for start sit for this week. And um, yeah, yeah Rob- okay. Here's actually a good one. Julio Jones, you have 36. A lot of people are talking about how Julio Jones is a smash play this week. And I don't really think that's the case because he looked good last week. Well, that's because he's on PEDs. Uh, three for 69 and two nice. rushes for 17. But uh, New Orleans, you know, they'll they'll probably have their focus on stopping him, at least in the passing game. Yeah, I mean... People were impressed by him because the expectations were pretty low, but you got to remember he had 11.6 fantasy points last week in PPR. That's not amazing or anything like that. Like that's wide receiver three territory. And so I think he's a wide receiver three, you know, he's, he's the number two target at best on the team. If not number three, maybe behind Fournette. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I'm not super high on this Tampa offense. They didn't finish drives well against Dallas. They don't have Chris Godwin this week. So I just don't think this Tampa offense is going to score a lot of touchdowns right now. And the touchdowns they do score are going to be concentrated with Evans and Fournette, in my opinion. So I just don't think Julio has that ceiling. Yeah, the the Tampa Bay game last week was really weird because we kind of expected uh, them to start with their hair on fire. You know, they got Godwin, Evans, Julio, Fournette. They're at, like, full strength. They didn't score... Uh, a touchdown until three minutes left in the third quarter. Right. And that was the and, only touchdown anybody scored in the whole game. Yeah. You look at the scoring log, it's uh Maher field goal, suck up, suck up, suck up, suck up. And then the Mike Evans five yard touchdown pass. So it's like, you know, this, this Tampa Bay offense might not be as potent as we thought it was going to be. Right. So that's what happens when your uh, uh, quarterback is going to get divorced from his supermodel wife, according to the tabloids. And is 45 years old. It's probably more the 45 years old thing than the the divorce thing. It might be. Yeah. So, all right. Perfect. Well, that'll do it for this rankings episode of the Football Theory Podcast. Walker, thank you for for your time. I'm sure the people appreciate some insight on your ranks. And uh, you and I will be back on Friday with uh, Mike Valverde to go over all these games and talk about Thursday Night Football. So, for Walker, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a good one. Yeah, and and as we said, if you marry a supermodel, don't screw it up, dumbass. Yeah, dum-dum.